You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. It is Kelly Page. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about something called El Camino de Santiago. And I was just wondering, by whoops or show of hands, has anyone heard of it before? Ah, oh, amazing. Okay, that's going to make this much better because you're going to know what I'm talking about. Marvellous. Um, but obviously the Camino, if for anyone that doesn't know what it is it's um, a walk um, across Spain you start off in the southwest of France you cross the Pyrenees and then you walk across the whole of the north of Spain until you get to Santiago and um, it's something that's been happening for a very very long time it's, it can be a religious pilgrimage spiritual pilgrimage an athletic pilgrimage it's something that people do from all over the world um, for all different kinds of reasons and I did it last year this time last year actually i was on the walk on this day um and uh yeah i'm going to tell you about not the whole thing because that would be really long <laughs> but i'm just going to tell you about the first day um that i that i did it because quite a lot happened in the first day so um yeah like i said i um i went uh, alone to do the camino and um and i started off um kind of I guess with the with the intention that this walk was going to be something um, quite sort of significant in my life, um, I hadn't had a particularly good year leading up to it, and it was sort of a autumn time, wanting a change, needing to do something that was, I don't know, just you know, going to shake things up a little bit in life. And um, so I was, I guess, not in a particularly good frame of mind. Felt very very nervous about it um, in advance. Um, was completely underprepared, like can't even stress enough, like I went to go outdoors by the Halfords Ring Road like a week before with my mum to buy all the stuff for it and, you know, the, you know, the boots I maybe did like a couple of miles around the village to wear them in, like it was, yeah, unprepared, but I was just sort of trying to get on with it and, I, you know, I bought a rucksack, I bought all the things that you supposedly need um, ready to kind of take off and, and do this thing. Um, then when I arrived in uh, the sort of place that you start, it's called Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. It's a, a really, really tiny, tiny um, town in, uh, in France that's basically there for the sole purpose of people starting the Camino from this point. So it's this beautiful little provincial town um, with lots and lots of pilgrims arriving with their rucksacks and everyone kind of there and it's got this amazing buzz and everyone's about to start this thing and you know, you sort of look around like, oh, okay, I'm actually doing this. I feel really good about it. And I, and I really did feel like so happy that morning. And um, when I set out um, in the morning, like I said, I was alone, but there's sort of, there's people all over the place and kind of everyone going on their way. And um, the people from the hostel sort of recommended, you know, maybe buy like a sandwich, like get some stuff kind of ready for before you go over the mountain, because the first mountain, you know, it's quite a big mountain. And people were saying, yeah, that's quite a big climb and you kind of hear whisperings about this climb and what it's going to be like and 
as I said, being completely unprepared and hadn't maybe even really researched very much about that particular climb. I, um, you know, I bought my sandwich and I had my water and I had my bag. Um, it's quite important to tell you about the bag, actually. I'm like, I'm five foot two, like I'm quite, you know, the bag was maybe like five foot, like the bag was massive. And, um, and you know, and I felt like it was quite heavy on my back, but I also thought, you know, I'll get used to it. Like, this will be fine. I'll just, you know, it, how hard can it be, right? It should be, should be right. And um, uh, so, yeah, started off on this morning. And I, I think I actually started off quite late, probably about eight o'clock. And it was gorgeous sun. It was a beautiful, beautiful morning. And like I said, feeling really positive and really happy that, you know, after coming from not feeling brilliant to actually doing this, it's, oh, this is really good. And um, yeah, you kind of wind your way, you know, out of this village almost immediately on kind of quite a steep incline, um, which kind of continues on for, you know, several kilometers. You wind your way around and obviously we're thinking, to try and set the scene for you is really difficult, but it was stunning. I mean, rolling green hills, beautiful blue skies, you know, no clouds in the sky, no, no traffic, just, just gorgeous sort of rural, rustic amazingness. Um, and, you know, feeling really good, feeling quite sort of pumped and adrenaline, you're just kind of walking and going and, and feeling really good about it. And, um, I'd say like the first half of the day, probably from about eight until about two-ish, that's how I was, just, just walking and just beaming, <laughs> like just feeling wonderful about it. And, um, and I have like really distinct memories of uh, stopping at one point to, to have my lunch and there was like a big rock. And because it was quite sunny, I kind of sat with my back against the rock and the shade coming over and, uh, and I ate my sandwich and there was all these... Um, sheep and cattle kind of free roaming around the place and they have like bells around their necks so that the farmers can find them so you're just hearing this really amazing like ringing bells everywhere and you know people kind of walking past and everyone saying buen camino like which means you know good walk have a good time and everyone's saying that to you as they go and uh, yeah and as I as I kind of finished doing that sort of approaching this part where there's um, a statue of probably quite important significance I can't remember what it was it's of Mary up the top there somewhere and so there was there was kind of that that kind of turning point and I remember looking up and um and seeing like as the hill was coming over because we were so high the clouds just started to roll over and all these wild ponies like came out from from this kind of peak and you know and I was just so elated like it was just so incredibly amazing and um yeah and then kind of yeah after I'd after I'd gone to the point I think where the Mary statue was I sort of, I don't know, it kind of, it kind of became apparent to me that where the clouds were rolling in, it wasn't actually clouds, it was um, more like a fog. And, um, and where the weather had been, you know, down here at the beginning of it, this really, really hot, sunny, like I, you know, caught the sun, um, it started to become actually really um, kind of damp and then a little bit dark and then a little bit windy and so on, to the point where this fog became just this completely impenetrable kind of wall in front of me, and where there was lots of people going by a lot of the time, there wasn't so much of that, because a lot of people had kind of gone on their way, or maybe had sort of made better time than I had, and, and maybe I'd stopped, or I was, you know, going a little bit slower, but it was at the point really where I literally couldn't see, like, my hand in front of my face, you know, not 
any exaggeration of that. And there was, I don't know, all of the, uh, the kind of the atmosphere just became really heavy and really thick and really wet and really scary. <laughs> um, I was really frightened. And uh, there was all, uh, at one point, there was all of these flying, biting ants as well, which all kind of came down around me. So I'd been caught in the sun, so I was sunburnt. And then these insects and this fog and no one around. And I don't know if anyone has watched the film The Way. Has anyone seen that? There's a, okay, so the guy in The Way dies on the Pyrenees. <laughs> in the fog because he loses his direction so I was thinking about that and I was okay so it was yeah not so good um I, eventually I uh I I sort of came to I think there was a crossroads and there was a man sitting kind of having a bit of a rest and we he and I had passed one another several times and then he he kind of struck up conversation with me and said you know do you want to walk together um, which I, you know, I was grateful of because I didn't want to be, you know, alone at this point because I felt really freaked out. Um, and he maybe walked about 10 paces in front of me and we chatted a little bit. He wasn't a big talker, but he kept on just kind of turning around and like checking that I was okay. Um, because by the point that we were climbing to the highest part of the climb, which I, if I remember was, I think it was nearly, it was nearly 1500 meters um, and it was steep and this bag was heavy and I was sunburnt and I was tired and I was cold and it was raining and it was driving wind and I was just really, really not all right <laughs> in, in that, you know, in, in that situation. And then I started to think about really horrible things like, you know, what, yeah, what if I, you know, what if I actually don't make this? Like, th this is not actually a joke. Like, I haven't like got any phone signal. I don't know this fucking guy. Like, what am I, like, what am I actually doing? And you know, and it was it was a really frightening thing to kind of be in that situation. But like I said, this this man stayed with me, and you know, and actually probably without him, I don't really know how I would have done that second part of the day. There was another point where um, another pilgrim came and, and helped me. He he walked past me when we were going on this this climb, and I think we had almost made it to the top part. And, um, and then he came back down and I saw him kind of coming back down like through the fog because you couldn't see anything. And, uh, and I was like, oh, you're coming, why are you walking backwards? Like, that's not the idea, we're going this way. And he was just like, yeah, I, I just noticed you were struggling and I, I just wondered if you wanted me to, to help you with your, with your walking. I've learned about this thing called uh, meditative walking and, uh, and you have to imagine, and he sort of stood with me and just talked me through like, to imagine your feet being on, you know, cotton wool and imagining what this is about, you know, which sounds kind of not like to say about it, maybe it sounds silly, but like it really helped at the time because he was sort of talking about breathing, you know, talking almost like yogic breathing through, you know, breathing up through your feet and, and sort of trying to breathe back out and imagining the trees around you. They've all been here for hundreds of years. You haven't. This is a really incredible thing you're doing. Anyway, we get to the top. He goes off. And then we have to make our way down. And there's two ways you can go down, the easy way or the hard way. And I would argue none of it was easy because you t I think it's 20 kilometers, 20 kilometers to get up there to 1500 meters. And then to get down is only five kilometers. So that's how steep it was to come down with this weight on your back that like you can't even deal with and these shoes and just completely inappropriately dressed and everything. Um, so eventually, long story short, 
I got down to this village, so we crossed into Spain to a place called Roncesvalles, which um, again is a, a place which has nothing in it other than stuff for pilgrims, and there's a really enormous um, albergue for people to stay in. Um, it's huge, but because it's the f sort of first and only stop in between there, it, it gets really booked up. And because I got so super lost and because of how terrible it was, I arrived there at about 9 p.m. And most on most days, most pilgrims finish their walks maybe like two. So I was late. Yeah. So I, I arrived and, uh, and sort of got there and, you know, was obviously in a bad way with this other gentleman that had been that was with me. Um, and obviously they were like, we're really sorry, but there's no, there's nowhere for you to stay. Like there's nothing else in this village and there's like no, there's no beds here for you. I'm really sorry. And I was <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, when you just sort of have one of those moments whereby you, you just, you just completely unashamedly lose your shit. Like you, <laughs> you can't even, I don't, you know, I, 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 it's, it's shameful, but obviously what any sort of self-respecting 29-year-old woman in that situation would do, I did, which is I called my mum. <laughs> mum, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And um, so, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah, that was, that was pro probably not a great phone call for her to receive, but she um, suggested I get a taxi um, and, uh, and get a taxi to, to wherever I could for where, where the next place was. And there was a hotel maybe a kilometre away, it, somewhere I don't know it was dark um so I did that and I, I did get a hotel that night um and uh and I kind of you know managed to sort of regroup and fortunately the people were, were really kind to me but by the time I kind of got into my room and got washed and and had something to eat and so on I was just like this like completely not you know I, I just couldn't believe that it had happened and it did I don't want to say like it felt like a near-death experience, so like that's quite sounds a bit overdramatic, but it was really, really traumatizing. And obviously, then you think, I've still got miles to go. <laughs> like that was literally day one. <laughs> this thing takes a month. <laughs> what you can do? Um, and again, further conversation. Called mum back. I was like, mum, <laughs> okay. So the next bits happened, and um, I don't know. The good thing about my mum is that she, I don't know, she's quite sort of straight talking she's she'll kind of tell you how it is and she was basically like kel <laughs> you can either get on a plane come home tomorrow we can forget this ever happened <laughs> just don't you know you don't you know if you can't do it you can't do it or wake up in the morning see how you feel maybe like do a short you know do a short walk walk three kilometers walk you know where's the next town you know see how far it is see if you can do it just go from there like there's no rush and um, yeah, and so I woke up in the morning and I felt horrendous. And my body was in so much pain, like I could hardly stand up straight. And uh, it, yeah, it was awful. But I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. So I walked to the next little town and, and you know, it was okay. Like, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> the weather was a bit better. It rained. I had my poncho, but it was, it was all right. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, I don't have time to tell you about the whole of the walk, but I did it. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> Yay! Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I did it. And uh, it, it miles, I think it's 600 and something. It's 800 kilometers. Um, and it took me 36 days. And I did it all on my own. Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich.